From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. Former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson found a book that he'd written temporarily banned from Amazon. Well, tell me why it was temporarily banned from Amazon, Alex. So uh, a little bit of backstory here. I've been uh, tweeting really about uh, the coronavirus and uh, arguing basically that the lockdowns are probably, um, you know, they're certainly overstated as a response to the crisis and, and probably counterproductive. Over the last couple of months, I've tweeted a lot uh, in on various aspects of the virus and uh, masks, you know, testing, all, the, all this stuff. And people said to me, you know, the, your, your feed is interesting, but stuff is getting lost in there because there's so much of it. Could you put a booklet together um, that, would, that would sort of compile information in one place? And I thought to myself, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And by the way, I've basically been working for free the last couple of months. So if I can sell this thing for a couple bucks to people, this is a way that I can get a little bit of income. Mm-hmm. And so, so I started to put this together and it became clear to me that it was going to require multiple parts because there's so much information, information about, um, you know, uh, fatalities and how we count them, uh, information about the lockdowns and the, you know, the evidence that they work versus they don't work, uh, information about masks, all this different stuff. So, so last week I, I finished writing part one, which is really just an introduction and, uh, and, uh, and a discussion of the death counting and, you know, and an estimate also of how many people might die from coronavirus. And so uh, – and it has the title. It's sort of a clunky title, but I wanted it to be as factual as possible. Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns, part one. So, okay, I've published to Amazon before, and and I'm also a published author. I've written 12 novels. I've written two nonfiction books. So I put this up Wednesday night, uh, a week week ago, on their platform, their Kindle Direct platform, which is their self-publishing platform. And I didn't think there'd be a problem. In the back of my mind, I thought, well, is there any chance they're going to reject this? No, you know, given my background and given the fact that, you know, this is all sort of uh, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is just data and facts that I've compiled with links. I think it should be fine. The next morning, Thursday morning, I get a notice from Amazon, an email saying we're rejecting this. Um, if you and it doesn't say here's how you appeal. It doesn't say here's what the problem is. It doesn't say um, you know here's the person who made this decision. It just says this is rejected. If you want to publish it, consider removing references to COVID nineteen. But that's the whole purpose of the book. The whole purpose of the booklet is to, of you know, unreported truths about COVID nineteen yeah. and lockdowns. So, so I, so fortunately, you know, I now have a few people following me on Twitter. I've got you know, like a hundred thousand followers, and um, and so I said to people, this got censored, and some people in the media started to speak out um, more on the right than on the left. Uh, but some people on the left too. There's a guy named Glenn Greenwald, who's a sort of a oh, well-known. Um, <laughs> he's way on so the left. He, yes, and he's but he's very smart. He knows that censorship is a problem in general. Yeah. And so who you know who didn't speak out was people at the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Seattle Times. Mainstream journalists did not, which is a huge mistake because you know I, 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 that's my background. And and for them, not well, I think they're worried that you're a, you're a fringe COVID denier. So are you a fringe yeah, COVID but, denier? Except I'm not a fringe COVID denier, as the as the book makes clear. It says that more people die of COVID than the flu, and it's actually not that close. 
It, what it also says is the people who are dying are very old. And for the most part, the, you know, the median age of death is in the low 80s in mo- almost everywhere. And, they're, and oftentimes they're very sick. And if we're going to talk about lockdowns, we need to talk about the realities of who's getting sick and who's dying. OK, so then what happens? And this is really, I think, why the Amazon backed down is Elon Musk, who obviously is a you know, world renowned figure who's, you know, runs two massive companies and has 35 million followers on Twitter, takes on Jeff Bezos directly and says, he says, this is insane. And he says, you're a monopoly, Amazon. You should be broken up. Well, two hours later, Amazon emailed me and they said, we're publishing this. And they went on to tell people, oh, it was a mistake. Now, I can tell you, I have now heard from several other people who's COVID books they've refused to publish. So the only mistake they made was picking on somebody who had a megaphone big enough to yell back at them. Um, and, and, and the kicker on the story is that since then, the book went to number one in Kindle over the weekend. That. So how does it feel yeah. to have been the cause of a battle between billionaire titans? <laughs> well, you know, uh, look, I, I, I've never even met Elon Musk, but I, much less Bezos. But I have to say I admire the guy. He says what he thinks. And we don't necessarily agree on everything, but we both believe in freedom of speech and honest reporting. And, you know, good for him. For If more CEOs would speak out about the problems of the lockdown and, the, and having to have a you know, functioning economy, we'd be in a better place. OK, so let me try to figure out why your book was so controversial. So you were not arguing that COVID was just like the flu. You were not arguing that old people be allowed to die, I assume. Nope. Uh, you were not arguing that young people should go out and shout at each other unmasked? Uh, no, I have no problem with young people doing that. Oh, okay. Um, they're, they're at very, very low risk from this. And so, by the way, there's very, very low risk of transmission outdoors. Uh, you know, most transmission here's – here's another fact, and this will be in part two of this, that almost nobody knows. The vectors of transmission, the roots of transmission for this have been studied very extensively. There are – there are three or four main routes. The first and most important is in-home, which is a reason that lockdowns are a bad idea because you're forcing people to stay in their homes all the time. Mm-hmm. The second one is what's called nosocomial. That means nursing homes and hospitals. And that's one that we can really actually do something about if we focus on. The third one is public transportation. Everything else, outdoor is nothing. Retail and offices are very low. So and, and you know restaurants are pretty low, not quite as low. So so uh, so if you care about transmission of this, you don't care about people wearing masks outside. It doesn't matter. And you know that may be that I don't care whether people say that's controversial. It's true. Just like I don't care if people say to me, you know, you shouldn't say that the average age of death is eighty-one or eighty-two for this or the median age. Why shouldn't I say it? It's true. So you would predict then that there's going to be no increase in infection because of all these mass demonstrations? Uh, I would say there may be an increase in infection. Okay, infection just means that you have a positive test result. Right. Will there be an increase in hospitalizations or deaths? I think based on what we know about the age range of the people who are protesting, that's pretty unlikely. I, I suppose anything's possible, but it's unlikely. And by the way, I was in favor of people being allowed to protest the lockdowns. And I am in favor of people being allowed to protest police violence. The First Amendment matters in this country. The um, 
in in my own family, uh, I know two, three family members who've had it and didn't have to go to the doctor. They recovered. One in her sixties. So uh, that's the that's the cohort I haven't heard much about. They keep stats on it. People who've recovered, but you you never really hear what that was like. So you would say that 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 is the part of the story that has not been covered. Yeah, and I'd say that's a massive part of the yeah. story. And one of the things I think that's happened, one of the reasons lockdowns are breaking down now, is that there are so many people like you who, um, you know, who may know a couple people who've had this who really haven't had serious problems. I'm not saying I, I don't know your family's experience, and you know, perhaps they were sick for a few days, but they yeah. didn't get hospitalized, they didn't get ventilated, they didn't die. When all of this is said and done, almost almost none of us will know firsthand anybody under 75. Who, who died from this. I'm not saying there, 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 there aren't people who are dying. I'm not saying that some people won't know people. But if you look at the numbers, they are, they're going to be relatively small. Okay, now are you alleging that politicians knew this going in and deliberately locked the economy down for some agenda, such as to stop Trump's rallies or make him look bad or deliberately tank the economy? I so that's a complicated question. I don't think that people knew exactly what was going on in mid-March. And there was a lot of genuine fear in mid-March and especially in New York City, right, which is the media capital of the world. What has happened since then, especially since early April, because by early April, it was clear to those of us who were paying attention that the hospitals were not filling up outside of New York City and that even in New York, the hospitalizations appeared to have peaked by early April. So, so what's happened since then, I think, is a combination of a number of things. There are people who are very, very publicly committed to this stance. And once you very publicly commit to it, it's hard to back down. Um, there are people uh, in the media who, uh, who don't like Donald Trump. I don't think that's a secret. No. Uh, and, and, and they've seen this as a very effective way to beat him up. And it is an effective way to beat him up because he's not a particularly empathetic guy. And he's not he, he's unable to walk the line of saying, look, this is a dangerous thing and some people are going to die, but we have to move forward in a way that people respect. And so this has really hurt him and the media has continued to do it. And then if you're a lockdown governor, I mean, how do you tell people, hey, the last two months, you know, eh, forget about it. We made a mistake. So so people uh, people are sort of they are locked into these positions. Yeah, well, I can see where that'd be a problem. I um I had a feeling this was going to happen at the beginning, but my experience since 9-11 is, and th- this to me was uh, kind of similar to our reaction to, to terrorism. turns out that we have not had any further foreign terrorist attacks. It's all been domestic, but nobody wants to be the leader who said, okay, let's just disband the TSA and then have a plane come down. The cost is just that's, too high. That, that's right. The bias is all on the side of let's do more and more and more. Right. Yes. Right. So uh, the next decision we have to make is if there is a resurgence, we're already getting signals in the stats that there is a resurgence of detected infections anyway, which may be yes. due to the extensive testing, um, you would say forget forget any further lockdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Lockdowns have to be off the table. And they have to I'm not actually that worried about right now because I you know, you're you're hearing a lot of noise, but if you actually look at the national picture, there's not evidence of a resurgence right now. Coronavirus is a respiratory virus. Respiratory viruses don't do very well in the summer. I think it is more likely uh, that there will be a genuine second wave of cases in the, you know, in the fall, mm-hmm. in, you know, after November. By the way, we don't say we're on the 100th and 8th wave of the flu. We say it's flu season, okay? There there may be coronavirus season. And what we're going to have to look at 
is the right numbers. Are our hospitals being overrun? Are we protecting people in nursing homes? Does this, you know, does this thing seem more virulent to young people than it did in March? If we we can't be in the position of locking society up for a virus that kills one in 400 of the people who it hits. The reason for this, though, was the lesson of the 1919 pandemic, where, according to the historians, at least the stuff that I've read, the cities that locked down early did better than the cities that didn't, because the ones that didn't, they kept their economies going, but pretty soon so many people got sick, they couldn't keep their economies going. So where do you come down on that? So first of all, coronavirus is not the Spanish flu. Okay, it, it's not nearly as lethal as the Spanish flu. And the Spanish flu killed young people, it killed children, it killed everybody. This is not that. Second of all, we don't have to look at 1919 anymore. We can look at April and May. We can look at Switzerland. We can look at Denmark. We can look at what's happening right now in Georgia. Okay, so so the evidence that lockdowns are doing any good is is so weak that all over Europe, forget the red state, blue state thing, all over Europe, they're ending. And, and so, so I, don't, I don't understand why I'm worried about what happened in some parade in Philadelphia or St. Louis in 1919. I'm worried about what's happening right now with data that I can monitor. So again, everything in your booklet is based on official CDC data. Well, it's CDC, it's, you know, it's Italy, it's pre-printed and peer-reviewed studies, but not not junky ones, okay? The the, mm-hmm. the best ones that I can find that, you know, that are that are legitimate science. There there's a few articles in there from places like, you know, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC. It's all very good. You're not an anti-vaxer? No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My children are vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. I will say that when this vaccine comes out, I'm not going to be the first in line to get it if it's rushed out because there's a process for developing vaccines. And I think it's important yeah. that we stick to that, even if it takes a couple of years. And if we if we blast this thing out in six months, I'm you know, somebody else can go first, given that this virus isn't that dangerous. But but am I an anti-vaxxer? Absolutely not. I'm a pro-vaxxer. And you feel okay, I don't know, can we, is it responsible of me to share your advice to people, which seems to be go ahead and demonstrate without a mask? Is that what you're really saying? Oh, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, look, if you don't demonstrate at the nursing home, okay, but if you're 25 years old, your risk of getting hit by lightning and dying is probably higher. Your risk of driving to and from the demonstration is certainly higher. And your risk of getting tear gassed is higher. So, well, so yeah, I mean, depending yes, on what city is, you're in, depending on what city you're in. And by the way, children, here's here's the thing that given the risks to children, what we have done to schools and what we have done by locking children away is unforgivable. And 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 there is almost no question in my mind. We don't have the data yet, but that more kids have died as a result of child abuse, being locked at home with abusive parents without teachers to look at them in the last couple of months that have died of coronavirus. And there, you know, we will see when when the lockdowns really end and we're and child, you know, child welfare workers are able to get into people's homes, how much damage has really been done. Okay. So um, I just want to emphasize again, we can test whether you're right or not by let's see, the protest started in earnest about a week ago. 
in another week, we should know, right? If that's the incubation. Well, period. I mean, the protests are one-factor testing. You, here's what. Here's how you can know: Georgia reopened six weeks ago. Hospitalizations in Georgia are half of what they were six weeks ago. Hospitalizations, not cases. Mm-hmm. Hospitalizations in Wisconsin, where the Wisconsin Supreme Court threw out all the restrictions at once. And the state essentially reopened. Some counties didn't, but enough of the state was reopened that anybody who wanted to go to a bar could just drive to a bar or, you know, go to a park or whatever. Uh, hospitalizations are down. So so we don't really need to, to, to wonder anymore. Now, is it possible there might be a short-term spike in infections? Again, that's possible. What I'm saying is that you are not going to see the apocalypse in a week or two. I'm very confident in saying that. Okay. And as a former reporter for the New York Times, if it turns out the statistics prove you wrong, you'll go back on Twitter and you will humiliate yourself and and apologize. I I am committed to that. Unlike the people who've been criticizing me for the last six weeks, if if I'm wrong, by the way, I won't have to do it because everyone, there'll be literally thousands of people telling me I'm an idiot. Yeah. But I will do it if I'm wrong. You will be an outcast and probably have to move to New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know if they'll let me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Alex Berenson's booklet is called Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns Part 1. Uh, Bezos has given his permission to go ahead and uh, publish it. So if you want to read it, you can get it on your, your Kindle. Alex, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Dave, thanks so much for having me. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here, in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe, so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe, and then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.